Welcome to the Bacash Podcast. My name is Don. My name is Scott. And we're going to be looking at Ezekiel chapter 43 through part of 44. All right. 44-4. Is that easy to say? 44-4. Ooh, that's like... 444. 444-444. That's like the number of the animal. 44-4. Which animal? Because like six is the number of man, seven is perfection. Yeah, so four is the... Five is... Actually, though, isn't... (laughs) I thought four actually did play... 40 days? Some sort of completion type of... You're you're diving into a realm I don't know much about. (laughs) Because I know three, 12, and seven. 40. Are the big ones, 40. 40, that's a big one. Yeah. Well, three, you get into Trinitarian plus triperspectivalism. Yeah. Plus. That's a cool word. Say that again. Triperspectivalism. Ooh, triperspectivalism. Prophet, priest, and king, the Trinity's role, so on and so forth. Where was that when we were in Deuteronomy? Uh, John Frame writes extensively about it. John Frame also writes extensively about everything he writes about. Oh. He writes big, thick books. About triperspectivalism. Yes. I have read. One of his shorter books, and I tried to read a book, I kid you not, called The Doctrine of the Knowledge of God. And I sold it to my pastor because <laughs> it was hard. Wow. It was hard to read. But he's got a book called Salvation Belongs to the Lord. It's a shorty, and it's really good. Is it? Um, but there is a lot of uh, stuff on triperspectivalism in there. What? It's basically like an introduction to systematic theology, but don't let the word introduction fool you. It's an introduction in like the like academic sense, not in the like you don't know anything sense. <laughs> so salvation belongs to our God? No, salvation belongs to the Lord by John Frame. Frame, okay, I see it. Yep. <clears throat> That's one of those books we were talking about earlier that I sold. Okay. Actually, I might I wonder if I still have that one. I bet I sold that. Okay. I had a friend that he was a, a newer Christian. And he bought a lot of my books when I was selling them. Oh, wow. So I cut him some deals. Because okay. I was like, oh, if you're hungry for this stuff, I want you to have it. And probably, actually, they probably pay more than half price books anyway. Uh, I think most of the stuff I got a bit more. Okay. I, I, like if I, I probably got around like two thirds price. Oh, Because wow. <laughs> um, half price basically literally sells the book at half the cover price. And they literally offer you half of what they're going to sell it for. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Unless it's like complete junk and then they, they'll they tell you they don't want it or they'll give you like 80 cents or, you know, okay. whatever. Um, but yeah, I sold uh, tons. I sold a commentary, almost commentary set. Um, but I bought, I, what I did is I bought Logos, the Bible software, and I rebought most of the stuff I cared about mm-hmm. that I had money left over from the book sales for. I bought most of that and made it digital. Okay. I have, I now have more digital books <clears throat> than I did have, uh, dead tree ones. Mm. So well, I think I had so many, like I had so many, so many of those books and then it's, it's, it's like, I, I didn't have places for them. And right. then, like, when I'm, a lot of times when I wanted to go back and reference an old commentary, like, it was at home, um, somewhere yeah. on a shelf or in a, in a box that I wasn't able to get out because I didn't have room for it. So it's like, well, here, I can be, I, I mean, this might sound bad, I can fact check a preacher or something. Like, if I'm listening to a good sermon. I'm laughing. And, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, well, I don't, I don't fully get it, and I want to do more more research on my own like it allows me to take it out or if like i'm having a dialogue with someone or 
a lot of times like I don't just sit and listen to a sermon very well. So like it gives me the opportunity to, to go deeper with with maybe something that kind of stuck out with what was being said, you know? Right. Um, and so I felt that actually most of my resources did me much better on my cell phone than they did sitting in a box or on a shelf and in a room that I actually needed more space for. Right. Um, so I got rid of pretty much almost all my stuff. I mean, I've got a few books that I really wanted to hold on to cause I couldn't find digital copies of them. Um, and, and I really like the books and maybe someday I'll go back to them. Um, but as of right now, yeah, most of my stuff is digital. Yeah, I, oops. Um, I'm actually getting my free Logos book of the month right now. You reminded me that oh. I had not gotten it yet. Would you get it too? Because you actually paid for it as well. I know. And I, I, I have not jumped on into Logos like I should. Um, I uh, I really do like it. Hold on a second. Why, what? Skip. Just give me it. <laughs> I love it. I'm not willing to rate it. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, I, uh, I utilized that and I've utilized um, the Crossway thanks to that sale that they had this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. The New Year's resolution sale. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I utilize digital quite a bit, kind of the same as you. Like, I'd like to be able to access it anywhere. And um, I would find that I'd sit down at the table and I'd be like studying for our podcast or something. And I'd always forget that one book mm-hmm. that I wanted to use. Or I'd be like, oh, I have a resource on this somewhere. I go looking through three books to try and find it. Now I can do a search and find it. Or, you know, I can even do, it's called a fuzzy search, which is basically like, hey, if you see this or anything that relates to it, throw it up and let me see. Oh, nice. And it's just kind of nice that way. Um, Yeah. Okay. I'm going to continue to look. I used to make fun of that. Now, if the Apple Pencil did not exist, I'd be less likely to do this. Okay. Because I do like to write in nonfiction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I yeah. do, too. But I'm, you know, I'm more than happy with this setup right now. I think what I do when it comes to writing is I'll either highlight and then, like, add an additional <laughs> note in, like, the Kindle book. Mm-hmm. Or what I'll do is I create a Google Doc. And then I put it into my um, my Google Drive, and I go back and I write notes about what it is that I saw or, or whatever. Kindle's finally jumping on the stylus pencil game. Oh, I, I heard it's the one they have is not up to par yet. Okay, like you can write a note on it, but you can't like write a note in the book. Like you have to write a note that's like attached to it. Uh, if that yeah, makes yeah. sense, um, that's kind of how like Logos does it too, which I don't like. Um, but if you have like iBooks for Apple, mm-hmm. you can mark up like almost any book in there. Wow. Um, well, depending on the rights that it has, but yeah. Okay. It's a little bit nicer. Oh, nice. But books there obviously cost like a dollar more. Okay. <laughs> but whatever. Unfortunately, I don't have anything Apple. I have everything Apple. Yeah. I'm not even a fanboy. I just like have, I'm one of those people, when you hear people say the ecosystem, I, I fell into that. Okay. So that's me. Well, actually, no, Sarah has an iPad. <clears throat> She's got the OG Pro, right? Yeah, she does. She does. Um, but she doesn't really even use it that much. No, no. I guess she'll draw directly into it. Yeah. But for the most part, she's like, actually, Apple products used to be superior in the graphic design world. But she's like, actually, sometimes Windows runs things better, more efficient and um, than, than actually even Apple products nowadays. So she's like, I mean, Adobe works actually just fine on um, on, on really both. Well, that's it. Yeah, I don't. So I do audio 
editing, obviously for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do, I have a lot, I have a hobby of making little stuff. Um, I would, if you get <clears throat> tangent, um, if you get an audio, it's called a DAW, digital audio workstation yeah. for windows. Um, and you want a freebie. I mean, there's a, technically a cost to it, but you can continue to evaluate it forever. It's called Reaper. Yeah. Their plugin library for Windows with free stuff is awesome. And it's like great. Audacity is garbage. Like okay. that used to be the one people liked. I hate it. I was just saying, I've heard, <clears throat> I've heard of Audacity a lot. I think Adobe has one called Audition. Mm-hmm. And then there's a really big one right now called Ableton, which is kind of the one that Windows users tend okay. to hit. Never really use those, but I will say like switching from Reaper to Logic was mm-hmm. like, Switching from like something that was made for like more learned people, yeah, <laughs> like to something that's a lot easier to navigate around and to get what you need, like it's more intuitive, I guess. Okay, um, Reaper is still very powerful, but I do feel like Logic's a bit more polished. Mm-hmm. But I could definitely see where, like, if I got you know stuck on a PC where I could probably switch and be okay because because Reaper is the Adobe, right. No, uh, Adobe's, I think it's called Adobe Audition. Maybe. Okay. Um, Reaper is a different one that's out there. They're their own. I don't know if Reaper is the company, but they're their own thing. Okay. That's what we used to do this podcast in. Oh, okay. So we started out, I've told it before, we started out in GarageBand. Yeah. Um, which did everything we needed to. And then I wanted more control over music production. So I got Reaper. Got and it. I, we used that to, I just dumped all the wave files from this podcast into Reaper and edited them and whatever in there. And then I got the logic. They give you a 90 day trial. Mm-hmm. I started using that and I loved it right out of the gate. Got it. And so for Christmas last year, my wife got me the full version of logic. Oh, nice. So that was my Christmas present. Okay. And yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Cause Sarah uses, she's, she's part of the Adobe mm-hmm. family. Um, whether Mac or, or whether so it's whether it's Apple or Windows, <laughs> Adobe is really her go-to. Which again, she says works on pretty much everything, and she's like sometimes it's more intuitive on a Windows. Um, but she's like really, yeah. it works on either one just fine. So why not go the cheaper way? And I'm like, amen to cheaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, you can get a Mac Mini to do a lot of stuff. If you want a laptop, then you're almost. Apples to apples, yeah. Cost wise, if you want something that will run those things, mm-hmm. but yeah, you could probably still get. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not in the world right now, but like next year, our kids they're doing college courses. They're going to mm-hmm. need actual laptops. They have their desktops, but they need laptops at school. Um, so we'll see. We'll probably get them Windows laptops because I'm not shelling out. Yeah, minimum a thousand dollars per child. I know. Well, I can get a decent PC for three to five hundred dollars. Right. Like, that runs. Well, this is, she's just a, fine. My, my wife asked me, she's like, well, what, like, what should we get him? And I was like, well, Scott just got a Lenovo at the back to school time. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is, could your wife design an altar in Adobe? Huh? Could she design an altar? Design an altar? Yeah. You know, like if she was like, you know. Oh, yeah. I am. <laughs> and apparently I need to go to sleep. Yeah, um, that's all right. I, I, I was going to do that segue before and I totally botched it. Oh, yeah. I was like, an altar? What? Um, I was like, I don't want to bore everybody with my kids back to school and talk. Yeah. When they're listening to this, it could be next Christmas. That's true. <laughs> Although I just want to say it's not back to school season. Um, it's getting out of school season. Yeah. But actually, by the time this gets posted, it might be back to school season. I was thinking about season. that. So I posted episode chapter 29 
yesterday or the day before. And this is 43. And we only have a one, I think, between then and now that covers two chapters. So you so, say you just posted 29? Yeah. Oh, dang. So you're talking back to school season. If if we get through Ezekiel and we start going through, I might up the frequency a little bit. I might post yeah. the third one in the month. Okay. Um, just so people aren't waiting on that. Yeah. You know, but. Because, well, we're, cause we're thinking about judges. Yeah. I mean, actually, we're coming up on that. We're almost done with. What is with the, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, like Deuteronomy was years. Yeah, Ezekiel was. is getting there. And yeah. I, I just like, you know, get the content out if we have it. But well, I, don't want, I don't want to like make any promises to anybody and then fail them. Well, just and also <laughs> like time-wise, most of the time we're pretty good, but we've got... If if somebody has an audio, audio editing program that lets you batch run stuff, like what I would love, this does not exist. Back to the nerd stuff. If I could like set one of the podcasts in one box and let that go through and then export into MB3 because mm-hmm. I have to change it from Wave to MB3. I have to put the bumper music in it. I have to put our audio levels in it and all that kind of stuff. If I could set that and hit go and then start another one and hit go and then start another one and hit go and they would just go in succession, mm-hmm. I would love that. But I have to go into each one. I have to wait for it to finish before I start the next uh. one. I would kill for a program that would let me batch edit them. And I'm sure they exist beyond our price range, which is fine. I doubt it. Oh, Cause, really? Because the stuff that like, like professional studios use Logic and Ableton. Okay. Like they use the software that we use. Oh, okay. So, it's, you know, the real expensive stuff is only like for a studio, only a few hundred bucks. So, well, so now that the idea is out there, um, he's going to copyright it, uh, patent it, and uh, I'm make a feature request. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So with that, uh, back to the altar. Um, back to the altar. It sounds like a Chris Tomlin song or something. Oh God. Um, That'd be wow. We're copywriting that too. <laughs> right, that'll be his next uh, hit worship song. All right. Chris so Tomlin's hit album, back to the altar, featuring. All right, so last week we talked a little bit about a whole lot of um, new temple walkthrough. Um, Ezekiel, <laughs> a lot of measuring. And qubits was like the key word there. Yeah. Um, How about an online qubit, qubit to foot, uh, what do you call it? Measurement thing? Like converter. Yeah, oh, nice. I was like, oh, this works for today. Yeah. So now you can go get your qubit to feet measure or yeah. thingy thing. Um, their estimation was 1.5 feet is a cubit. Mm-hmm. So, and then there was still some debate on that. So they right. they've got a basic idea. Um, Ezekiel is being taken on a tour through the, this new temple. Um, this is right after you see um, a lot of sin. You see the shepherds aren't always awesome, but but God's going to take that role of shepherd. Um, we're going to see a restoration of, of, of God's people individually, um, a restoration of, of God's people as a whole. Um, and now we're getting into to this temple scene. And Ezekiel is walking through the temple with a whole lot of dimensions that, when I read, made absolutely no sense. But YouTube's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> um, and you have a couple depictions of, of various people that have posted some YouTube stuff. Um, that they at least gives you a visual um, of kind of what to expect and what that looks like. That's not to say it's exactly what it looks like. Um, 
but you can go ahead and, and people have done research as to um, the various temples throughout um, biblical history. Um, they have utilized the language that is used here in Ezekiel, um, and they have been able to, to go ahead and at least give a 3D rendition of what, what could possibly be it. Um, for me, I just thought this was incredibly helpful because... Um, as I was walking through, I could, or saw it, I was like, okay, now this makes more sense. And when I went back and read it, I was like, okay, this still doesn't make sense. But, but it, it kind of did make a little bit more sense because like, oh, okay, so this is what this looked like. Here's what he's saying here. Um, and, and I utilized something very similar in 43 as well um, when, when they were talking about the altar specifically. But now we are going to see something that Ezekiel um, and has probably been looking forward to for a really incredibly long time, um, at least since Ezekiel 10 or 11. And so on our podcast, that was a couple years ago. <laughs> um, and so we're going to kind of continue with um, kind of what's happening after we've taken a majority tour through the temple. Um, where, where should I read to? Mr. I, I don't know if I have answers to. All my notes still deleted. Yeah, all this electronic book talk and then my notes in my ESV scripture journal are just magically gone. So, so a couple uh, years ago, total tangent, I'm sorry. A couple yeah. years ago, we had this newer teacher and she was like fresh out of college and, you know, she's, she pulled out her black grade book, you know, like, you know, the old ones that they used oh, to yeah. use when we were in like second grade or whatever. And I made fun of her every freaking day for that. Cause I was like, how old are you? Um, and she's fresh out of college and I was what late thirties. And, um, and so she, she, you know, pulled, she took, she took my jokes all the time. And then of course something happened. All my grades got deleted and I was like, oh man, I feel sorry. Um, yeah. She's like, man, too bad you don't have a hard copy backup. Oh, trust me. She returned the favor and you know, I, I, I had no argument. <laughs> um, so with that, uh, use of technology, yes, Don lost all his notes. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting. Sadly enough, I'm the smart one tonight, and <laughs> so good luck, and maybe maybe skip to 44. Yeah. Um, all right. So one through ten, maybe. One Let's through. Go to the headings. Sounds good. All right. One we'll through find ten. Find out. <laughs> or at least. Yeah, maybe one through. Yeah. 10. You have notes. You just. <laughs> one. Let's do one through nine. All right. Yeah, one through nine. All right, so we're Ezekiel 43, 1 through 9. Then he, he led me to the gate, the gate facing east. And behold, the glory of, of the God of Israel was coming from the east, and the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. And the vision I saw was just like the vision that I had seen when he came to destroy the city, and just like the vision that I had seen by the Kabar Canal. And I fell on my face as the Lord of the as the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing east the spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court and behold the glory of the lord filled the temple while the man was standing beside me i heard one speaking to me out of the temple and he said to me son of man this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where i will dwell in the midst of the people of israel forever and the house of israel shall no more defile my holy name neither they nor their kings by their whoring um, and by the dead bodies or their kings at their high places by setting their threshold my, by my threshold and their doorposts beside my doorposts with only a wall between me and them. They have defiled my holy name 
by their abominations that they have committed, so I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put away their whoring and the dead bodies of their kings far from me, and I will dwell in their midst forever. So parents, if you're listening to this with kids in the car, the word whoring is going to come up several times. (laughs) Didn't Um, think about that. Too late now. Um, (laughs) So yes, uh, you can pause the... uh, Pause the podcast now and explain that to your kids. Yeah. Um, That'd be an interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. Good luck, good luck on that one. Yeah. Um, so with that, um, well, um, we have some references back to some of our earlier podcasts um, being Ezekiel, I think Ezekiel 1 or 2. Um, and then, which is where he had his initial um, reaction. He got an opportunity to see a vision of God that was um, incredibly amazing that brought him to his knees for quite a while. Um, we see kind of a very similar vision. And I think Ezekiel 10 or 11 is when he actually ended up leaving the t- or God left the temple. Um, and so we see another very similar image, which once again brought us to brought him to his knees um, for, for quite a while. And so um, it sounds like he once again has another um, vision similar to, to those um, of God and his godness. Um, <laughs> that, that, that once again was allowed him to... Um, really be just as odd as he was um, the first two times that it happened. Um, Ezekiel left the temple in around 10 or 11, and now we see Ezekiel coming home. Or not Ezekiel coming home. Like, uh, God coming home um, back Ezekiel, to his dwelling. <laughs> um, yeah, well, um, like with the similarities, there are also some differences um, with this particular passage compared to the other passages one being that god takes the time to explain the vision to him like outright Mm -hmm. uh because as if i recall the commentary that i took notes from um uh basically like god ain't fooling around with his holiness Mm -hmm. like he's he wants it to be clear what he means here and what ezekiel is seeing and experiencing yep what like his like his falling on his face and needing to be picked up <laughs> yeah like kind of thing like ezekiel is like melting under god's glory not in like a you know disgusting 80s horror movie sort of way but in a like he just can't be in the same presence as god's glory because it's so overwhelming mm-hmm. that god picks him up and then like basically while he's in his weakened state he's explaining to him what like what he's seeing and what's going on and what's you know, happening. He's explaining the vision, interpreting it for him. Right. Right. Um, I got more if you want. All right, go for it. I'm going, go, going out of memory here. Um, one thing here that was interesting was he talks about the Kings. Oh yeah. Um, one of the commentaries that I had gone over basically had stated that, the king's residences or palaces were either built, uh, sorry, their residences and palaces were built on the south side of the temple and sometimes sharing the same borders or properties. So when the king would do something that was like, uh, you know, whoring (laughs) or whatever form of debauchery they're up to, um, it was reflecting on the temple as looking almost condoned. Uh, because you're doing it, quote unquote, in the sight of God himself mm-hmm. at the temple without shame. So it was almost like they were condoning. It. And then on top of that, 
Uh, and this kind of makes me wonder about church graveyards that were very prevalent in the early days of America and maybe in England. Interesting. Um, they, sometimes the kings would be buried either up to or on the property of the temple. Oh. So they would be placed essentially or buried in a place of honor um, after their horrible rule. <laughs> but that's where he says, I was trying to find the verse. Do, 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 do. Now let them put away their whoring and the dead bodies of their kings far from me. Um, that's essentially what that verse is referring to is like, don't, don't put them on my property. I don't want those. I don't want that. Once well, I that death in the temple was essentially like as unclean as you can yeah, get. I was say, that's not a good so, thing anyway. Like, yeah. On top of like being, uh, put into a place of quote unquote honor, you're defiling the temple with, when you're dead, you defiled it when you're alive and now you're defiling it when you're dead. Wow. So definitely, definitely interesting. Definitely some <clears throat> potential meaning behind that. Um, one of, oh gosh, I want to say Ian make do, do good, do good. Um, he, he said that like, there isn't like biblical proof of that and he doesn't know if there's a lot of archeological, but there is like extra, uh, sources that would basically state that mm. that matches up with it. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. And we see God coming back. Um, I'm doing this from memory. We got this, people. Yeah, I was going to say, man, you're doing good. My brain would be like, what? Um, we, we see it works. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. I'm so much older than you. It's like, man, when you get old, Just you should forget that stuff. Just wait for six months from now. You're in trouble. So I had some more tangenting. I had some memory issues and some like trying to remember words things mm-hmm. with after COVID. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of like brain fog and stuff like that that people complained about. So I've actually done like some purposeful things to like resharpen it. Really? So maybe that's what we're seeing. All right. So I need to jump in on some of that action. Oh, dude, uh, Duolingo was a lot of it. Yeah, I got to get back into Duolingo. But there, the I, for anybody out there that's suffering from long COVID, one thing that I looked up that uh, I found was like fighting for the synonym when you can't think of the word. Um, and even if it's not the right synonym, still fighting for a synonym actually really helped me get through a lot of it. Oh, wow. So if like I was looking at like, uh, what do we got? Like notebook. Um, maybe that's the word I was looking for is notebook, but yeah. I can't think of it. But the word, but I'm, I, I would think about like, okay, the word journal is coming to mind. I would just use the word journal and it would help kind of rebuild confidence. And I found it's a lot better. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it took me almost a year to kind of get through some of it. Oh, I remember so. when you were struggling with that too. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Good luck out there. Fight for the synonym. All right. That's the best. Fight for the synonym. Yeah. And my uh, boss's wife was a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. And she said, you got to have your saturated fats and fish oils. So. All right. So saturated fish. Saturated and fat oils. Fat fish. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sweet. All right. Um, all right. Um, so maybe 10 through... 13, 10 through 12? Yes, sure. I'm going to do a quick text. Sorry to be rude. Um, So we kind of see the second part of his speech um, kind of popping up at 10. Um, So we see kind of the first part of the speech where um, enter um, God in all his glory, um, bringing Ezekiel basically... Um, to his knees, um, and yet at the same time, we we have some encouragement that he's here and he's going to be here for quite a while. Um, and as we continue to go, we're going to find out he's going to be here to stay. Um, verse ten through or forty three, ten through 
12. As for you, son of man, describe to the house of Israel the temple that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and they shall measure the plan. If they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the temple, its arrangement, its its arrangement, its exits and its entrances, that is, it's the whole design and make known to them as well as its statutes and its whole design and its laws and write it down in their sight so that they may observe all its laws and all its statutes and carry them out. This is the law of the temple. The whole territory of the top of the mountain all around shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the temple. All right. <laughs> yeah, I really should have just finished reading that the uh, in the the first part of it. Um, yeah, that's, I don't have anything profound on that actually. Yeah, I'm just doing a quick um, search. I don't think I have anything really. That... Um, if we're really thinking through, um, I guess they're being called to follow his statutes and his um, laws. But if we re- remember from earlier in Ezekiel, what thirty six and thirty seven, like God's gonna give him that new heart and the ability to be able to um, follow those. Um, So there's encouragement in knowing that, yes, we we are called to follow these, but we're not doing it necessarily on our own. Um, Uh, Yeah, and this uh, intros the difference like between God and man here. Um, A lot of what we'll see in the temple is going to be um, separating the holy from the profane, the sacred mm-hmm. from the secular <clears throat> uh, going forward. So it's kind of, this is kind of intro to that. Mm-hmm. So that first star is like, if they feel that shame, tell them um, we're already seeing the separation. If they feel that they've, they're wronging what is holy, <laughs> yeah, uh, profaning God, then like if, if they if they grasp that concept, tell them about this. Yeah, essentially, that's the start of. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the best way to put it, because <laughs> my notes are gone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, fine. Let me look at my non-electronic Bible. My Bible's still here, but my notes my, are electronic also. Actually, oh, oh, it's like my I've, I've got two Bibles open right now. Yeah, I'm dual. Bi- I'm dual wielding Bibles. Just wait till your battery runs low or your internet goes out. Like and sixty-two percent. It's an iPad. That means I got like four hours left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you thought your notes were there too, huh? Yeah, good point. Yeah, okay. <laughs> wait right. for the screen to go black. Like no. <laughs> All right. Um, Thirteen through seventeen. Um, these are the measurements of the altar by cubits. Uh, the cubit being a cubit and a handbreadth. Um, it's oh, base. That's what it means. I told you. You just didn't listen. <laughs> I love it. A cubit being a cubit and a hand breath. <laughs> um, duh. See, it's that hand breath that makes all the difference. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> Come on. I thought you were intelligent. Anyway, um, its base shall be one cubit high and one cubit broad with the rim of one spam around its edge. And this shall be the height of the altar from the base on the ground to the lower ledge, two cubits with the breadth of one cubit. And from the smaller ledge to the larger ledge, four cubits with a breadth of one cubit and the altar hearth four cubits and from the altar hearth projecting forward four horns. The altar hearth shall be square, 12 cubits long by 12 broad. The ledge also shall be square, 14 cubits long by 14 broad, with a rim around it half a cubit broad and its base one cubit all around. The steps of the altar shall face east. So... 
this structure is like a bunch of squares stacked and they're tiered like a wedding cake. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is I thought of when I was in Mexico City, we saw some of the pyramids. Yeah. And while those are like 100 feet tall or whatever, it's kind of the same setup. It, they're basically a square on top of a square on top of mm-hmm. a square um, with steps <laughs> to get up to the top. Um, this was approximately 15 to 19 foot tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bottom part potentially had basically a gutter to catch the blood from the sacrifices. Yep. And, and it was, and again, it is large. Like he says that there, there's steps to get up to it. It's not like, yeah. it's not like a small little altar. Like I know mm-hmm. sometimes I'd always think, okay, you know, this altar, you know, you, you can put it right in front of you or something like, no, well, you can put it in front of you, um, but it's taller than you are um, and taller than someone sitting on your shoulders and, and, and someone sitting on their shoulder. Like it, it's not a small Alter by any means. Yeah, if you the average roof peak, I would say of a two story house is probably in that twenty five foot range. Okay. So you're looking at like a you know maybe a Cape Cod sized house. Okay. Height. So maybe one and a half story kind of thing. Okay, that's yeah. <clears throat> so so it, it was large. Um, and and at first like again this might be one of those things where we're to go look at pictures. Um, maybe to go find a YouTube video or something like that, that yeah. they would kind of walk you through it. It's not kind of like the walkthrough that, that say the original part of the temple is like, this is in a room. Um, yeah, we were going outside to in yeah. the temple. Now we're in the middle going out kind of right. for the next few chapters. Yeah. So, so here you have, um, uh, again, this altar. Um, I did find something interesting. It said the whole thing was probably larger than a peasant's one-story home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this made it similar in size to the altar in Solomon's temple, but nearly four times larger than the altar prescribed in Exodus um, 27. I was like, ah, that, that's kind of interesting to see the different sizes of, of, of the altar, say, um, throughout at least earlier biblical history. Um, to, to kind of see in perspective what would that look like. And and Solomon's temple was supposed to be like the, the temple temple. Right. Um, and so this would have been about the same size. And th- some of the, what we're seeing here is once again, it's the separation of the holy from the profane. So we're seeing that the priest that's going to go up and do the sacrifices is going up into the holy to do the offering. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's as far as possible from the sinners. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the reason behind that is because before, as they were saying before, the kings were essentially mixing the two and God is purposely keeping these separate at this time. Yep. <clears throat> so why a 19 foot tall altar with stairs you have to go up? It's We're trying to, we're doing everything we can to keep you out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> to keep you from mixing your evil with God's good. Right. Right. So. Um, a cubit, cubit, cubit. <laughs> something else that I had. I can't remember. I think that's that's mostly what I. Yeah. Oh, the um. Did you read the part about the horns? Yes. 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 Um. If you read, uh, gosh, I gotta pull this out of memory. Leviticus eight or eighteen. Um. The altar there also had the four horns on it. And then um, the same cleansing ceremony that you're about to uh, read was also echoed in that chapter. But I can't remember if it was 8 or 18 because my notes disappeared. Hooray. Uh, and I don't have 
that commentary open apparently that says where it was. Oh, uh, eight, fourteen, and fifteen. Um, so I do have that commentary right. open. He has that commentary open. How many commentaries you got open there? Uh, right now. Yeah. Apparently three. Oh, okay. Cool. So. All right. All right. So I'm gonna read chapter eighteen through the end. Uh, it doesn't count. Two are by the same guy, but they're just different commentaries. I don't know if that counts. Man had a lot to say. He does. <laughs> if he's got two commentaries. Right. All right, um, chapter 43, verse 18 through 27. Yes. And he said to me, Son of man, thus says the Lord uh, God, these are the ordinances of the the altar. On the day when it is erected for offering burnt offerings upon it and for throwing blood against it, you shall give to the Levitical priests of the family of Zadok, who draw near to me to minister to me, declares the Lord God, a bull from the herd for a sin offering. And you shall take some of its blood and put it put it on the f- four horns of the altar and on the four corners of the ledge and upon the rim all around. Thus you shall pur- purify the altar and make atonement for it. You shall also take the bull of the sin offering and it shall be burned in the appointment appointed place belonging to the temple outside the sacred area. And on the second day you shall offer a male goat without blemish for a sin offering and the altar shall be purified as it was purified with a bull when you have finished purifying it you shall offer a bull from the herd without blemish and a ram from the flock without blemish you shall present them before the lord and the priest shall sprinkle salt on them and offer them up as a burnt offering to the lord for seven days you shall provide daily a male goat for a sin offering also a bull from the herd and a ram from the flock without blemish shall be provided seven days shall they make atonement for the altar and cleanse it and to consecrate it and when they have completed these days Then from the eighth day onward, the priest shall offer on the altar your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, and I will accept you, declares the Lord God. So essentially, while they're building the altar, the people that were building it were sinners, and they were defiling the altar while it was being constructed. So this altar needs to be purified and cleansed before it can be used for its intended purpose. Interesting. uh, So from the commentary I read... Um, part of the reason, so although it is a new altar, mm-hmm. there is still that remnants and that remembrance of their their sin. Mm-hmm. And so by consecrating the altar, it was, in a sense, reminding them of the detestable practices that they were involved in. And so that that's that basically by by doing this purification um, ceremony, it was basically like them, removing the memories of the defilement of where they had just come from. Um, not necessarily in the building part of it. So uh, not, um, it's not that they were building it impurely. So the people that were building it were impure. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry if I'm, but it could be both and okay. Like I can see that's also a symbol of Israel needing to be purified and cleansed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never deny that because yeah. I'm not a scholar that could, yeah, I, me neither. I was just, cause I, was, I just thought that was kind of interesting because he had, didn't mention anything about that. Um, he did mention like since that's it, why I have three commentaries open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I just had one and a half. Um, yeah, but anyway, he did mention that that part of um, part of the words that were used um, was you, and so it was the idea of a singular you, not necessarily uh, of the of tons of priests. Interesting. But that part of what is being 
given to Ezekiel is the opportunity to participate. And although he would never be, since he was supposed to be a priest, he would never have the opportunity of necessarily being a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, this was through this vision. This was an opportunity for him to play a priestly role within the um, restoration and the um, the sanctifying of of the altar. Um, because most likely he would have been like eighty some years old oh, by the time Cyrus even became a uh, the the emperor to give them the edict to head out to. And then they'd still have to rebuild the temple. So, like, would he have really been, he would have been way too old to actually participate in the the consecrating of the altar. So this was almost, in a sense, giving him an opportunity Mm. to be able to play an active role within um, by fulfilling his priestly duties within the temple through this this vision that, that, that God has given to him about this this temple and what he's supposed to communicate with the people. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, mine, mine was basically like drawing the parallel between like um, due to the burnt offerings and the uh, blood sacrifices, God's people become um, consecrated and he will accept them as worshipers the same mm-hmm. as through Christ's uh, sacrifice and blood offering, we are accepted and consecrated as worshipers. Oh, nice. Um, no, yours is cool. <laughs> like, mine's simple and it's true, but yours mm-hmm. is pretty cool. That's yeah. kind of, yeah. That's what, that's when we started this podcast, that's the kind of stuff we were trying to find out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, just the little insights and stuff that we didn't quite know or get. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes <laughs> makes the passage even more fuller or right. gives you opportunity to, to think and process. And then the thing is, is, there may not be a necessarily a right. I mean, which one is the right answer? Well, you know, what's it? I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of both. And yeah, um, I think that the people hearing this or reading this closer to the event time mm-hmm. probably understood what we're digging deeper to find. Right. So, well, right. The, I they might not have understood the messianic parts as much possibly that's true where we kind of see that a little bit easier mm-hmm. a truck outside oh i was like your fan on your computer sounds funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, can't the, hear it on the mics i bet yeah the guy just finished uh putting the rebuilding the engine on his diesel ford pickup uh, um and so that's what he's been working on and nifty oh yeah you can hear him from all the way up the neighborhood oh we have a guy in our neighborhood that has a uh very very nice Mustang, and sometimes he likes to kind of do the little rev before he drives oh, yeah. off, and it's enough to wake the dead. Okay. I think. Oh, if it's a manual, I would have done that too. I don't think any of the new Mustangs are, are they? I don't think they are either. Sadly, he had the some kind of custom shop thing done to it. It's actually like one of the coolest cars I've ever seen. Um, but it's immensely impractical for a man with seven children. Yeah. Well, I have five, but you know. If it's not a manual, the car should be taken away and so should his driver's license. <laughs> but although that may have been the coolest car you've ever seen, this is the coolest altar that Ezekiel has ever seen. True that. Um, Some um, people sacrifice on the altar of the Mustang. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is sadly true. Um, I guess after a week of purification, though, um, they will be able to continue the um, regular sacrifices um, of the burnt and the fellowship offerings. Um, so they will, once the consecration is finished, um, the normal, um, normal ability to worship God will be restored. Um, they were to know that as both the, 
um, the vertical and the horizontal, um, or basically the um, fellowship and the burnt offerings. Um, burnt offerings being, being more of a um, offering towards God um, in the sense of um, lifting, lifting it up to God, fellowship being more of a communal being um, on the basis with um, a fellowship meal that, that would have happened with the original sacrifices on the altar. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I'm going to read this straight out, though, because I really liked it. Okay. Um, so Chris Wright said this. He said, surrounding all this freshly renewed ritual of worship, there comes the wonderful promise. Then I will accept you, declares the Lord. So it, it ends in 27. I will accept you, declares the Lord. Um, he goes on and says that after all, all was um, utterly crucial, it was the persistent sin and rebellion of his people that had forced Yahweh to abandon his temple. Um, he had now returned to his people, but would be... Would he allow his people to return to him? Would they be accepted and acceptable? And the word of amazing grace was yes. And he finishes it off this way. He says, the altar symbolizes the delight of Yahweh, the delight that Yahweh finds in the worship of his people. He has not returned to his temple to bask in the glory of his new surroundings. He has come to have fellowship with his humans. The days of his wrath are far behind, and he reaches out to them, offering a smile and acceptance to those who appear to his divine court. Um, and I thought that was just kind of an amazing way to finish just this part of the 23 focused on, on God's return um, and the impact um, of this altar that is being shown to Ezekiel in this vision. Mm. All right. I, I'm in agreement. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to finish off with 41 through 44. Or 44, 1 through 4. Yes. Um, the commentary I was using um, says that, that he actually feels that this fits. It's kind of a good finish to really all of 43. Um, huh? Another thing to be thinking about when listening to this section is um, the references to the East. The East is often oh, yeah. used biblically as a, a sacred mm-hmm. uh, direction. Uh, it was uh, on, a, on a compass. I can't remember the cardinal point on a compass. Mm-hmm. Um, so the east often symbolizes what is holy or what mm-hmm. is coming as holy. So, and and we saw, didn't we see him leave in the, from the east? Yep, he left from the east, um, and that's also where he returned from as well. Yep. Yes, sir. And speaking of east, um, he's going to organize. Well, uh, I'll read it and yeah. then we'll go. Um, then, so this is chapter 44, one through four. Then he brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, which faces the east and it was shut. And the Lord said to me, this gate shall remain shut. It shall not be opened and no one shall enter by it for the Lord, the God of Israel has entered by it. Therefore it shall remain shut. Only the prince may sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by way of the vestibule um, of the gate and shall go out of the same way. Then he brought me by the way of the north gate to the front of the temple. And I looked and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple um, of the Lord. And I fell on my face. Um, so I think it was Chris Wright was talking about how it just kind of we started chapter 43 um, at that east gate like that. This is where Ezekiel sees the presence of God return. Um, and and 44, one through four, we're once again brought right back to that place um, where we started, at least in the beginning of this podcast and, and in that reading. 
Um, let's see. He mentioned why was the Eastern Gate, um, why was it closed? Um, this is where Yahweh entered. So where his glory had passed, what was not to become a place of common traffic was kind of one reason on, on why they thought it was closed. Um, another reason that he said that it was, it was kind of permanently closed was um, he says that a closed gate could have submitted um, God's permanent return. Um, so God has come home and the door has been closed behind them. Um, it's kind of a posture that, that is symbolic of completion and permanence. So we don't see God coming back for another temporary return. Um, there's not necessarily anything we're going to do to scare God away again or to offend him to the point where he disappears and doesn't return. But we see a permanent return of, of God. Um, here in the temple um, at the altar and God has has restored the relationship and it is a permanent restoration. Um, we might see some messianic ideas there where where um, if, if Jesus comes back and, and he is that ultimate sacrifice um, and at that ultimate sacrifice of his son, um, we then have that that permanent um, relationship that that um, c- completion of, of our sin being taken away. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, I just thought that was kind of an, an interesting perspective on um, what that closed gate could could actually mean. Yeah, there's... Um, <clears throat> actually, what's interesting is I don't think any of the commentaries I looked at really looked at the closed gate part of it. I was going to try and look up another one, but I kept crashing um, because electronic books don't like me today. Um, update your uh, stuff, people. Um, but they were talking a lot about trying to figure out who, oh gosh, deleted the note I just put in there. What is You might need on? a new, uh, I think I have iBooks open on my computer at home and I'm wondering if it's overwriting it. Oh, so it's still on your computer at home. Just not, but as a, I, I wouldn't think that these were cloud based. I thought these were local. So I'm a little bit upset about this. Oh, no. Um, but, uh, Oh, well, I'll try and open up the commentary and see where it opens soon, see what happens. Um, they basically sat around trying to identify the man. Oh, okay. Uh, whoever the prince was, because I guess the word there translates better as a leader yeah. uh, than prince. Um, and uh, yeah, is it messianic or not? It's basically up for debate. Okay. It doesn't appear anybody has like a solidified, excuse me, solidified answer on that. Yeah, the commentaries I saw briefly floated over the whole prince thing um but nothing no deep conversation in it no conclusion um they focus more on the closed gate and um the events that happened at the altar well i guess one of the um this is kind of interesting because i just kind of came across it uh do a good do do good do good do good ian do good I want to see his name sometimes so I can mess with his name too. (laughs) (laughs) One of the most obvious features, he says, one of the most obvious features of Ezekiel's vision is the absence of an earthly king whose role is taken over by a Nasi, N-A-S-I, I I said Nasi, Hmm. uh, which translates prince or leader, a title that harkens back to the tribal chieftains of the wilderness period, such as in Numbers 116 and 44. Uh, whereas those tribal leaders operated as a council sharing the decision-making power, Ezekiel's prince is a single figure, like a king in many ways, but more restricted in his authority and power. 
This is possibly a word of judgment upon the Davidic rulers of the prophet's own day, which come as no surprise after the repeated condemnations of the rulers in Ezekiel 17 through 19. So, so you're saying then it's, well, if you remember Israel was rejecting Samuel says they're not rejecting you, Sammy, they're rejecting me as their King. Right. And they went through a period of like leadership in the wilderness. They went through the period of the judges and then they were like, we want a King. And God was like, yo, I'm, I'm your King. You don't need a King. Um, so is this hearkening back to that? Look, I told you, you didn't need a King. Look what they did. So this Prince is kind of a, less of a king and more of a consort. I don't know, like, you know, because it seemed like he's, I mean, he had more, some privileges, but not even remotely close. I mean, he was only allowed to go through one gate. Like he was very limited with his ability to enter the presence guy and leave, I guess. I I don't know. I, again, I didn't fully get it and I was hoping for more answers and and I did not receive it. He says he's not permitted to enter the inner courts, which is restricted to only the priests. Um, so the kings that would barge their ways in, their ways in and defile the temple in this case, uh, this this prince will not be allowed to. Um, he will not be allowed to use the great outer east gate in the sanctuary, though um, the Lord has returned to take up residence in the temple. The gate remains shut. Um, the prince, um, however, the prince will alone be allowed to enter through that east gate, which, yeah, there's there's quite a bit here. You go on and on. <laughs> The prince is to access the room from the vestibule on the outer court, presumably after entering through the north or south gate, so that the sanctity of the east gate will remain undefiled. Um, he cannot simply use the temple as an extension of his own house, like the kings had done before, um, which is what in 43 we were talking about, how the kings were a little too close for comfort, uh, sharing the wall with the temple, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still granted a unique access to a private room in the cent- uh, central east-west spine of the temple, as a as an especially holy location, uh, so it looks like the king, this prince, has limited power. Where a king was flaunting their unlimited power. So if you look at the ancient Near East, um, and even all the way up to the Romans, uh, kinghood was often divine. The kings thought they were some kind of divinity, and so they were wielding power however they wanted. Israel's kings may not have come out and said they were divine. But they sure were acting like there was no God. Hmm. Um, so maybe this is more of a uh, like hearkening back to what God's initial role for the leaders of Israel were supposed to be. They weren't right. supposed to be all powerful kings that thought they were divine. Okay. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. There's a lot, like I said, there's there's juries out. Is it a Davidic thing? Is it a messianic thing? Is it a new thing? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> is it the beginning of the uh, uh, like the way the church is led through oh. not through a king or a pope, but through like a plurality of elders and, you know, like so on and so forth. I don't know. Yeah. Could be, yeah. I, that's just off the top of my head. I'm probably not smart enough to be making statements like that. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I though I do have like that great book that I, I that, that talks about the temple throughout yeah. history, and I, I just have not had time. Like spring breaks coming up, yes, um, and summer is probably when I'm really actually going to get into that book because it's it's a heady book. Like it's it is very much a heady book, 
um, very college or collegiate type of. I'm like, ooh. Oh yeah, did we see it was IVP? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's going to take me a while to get through it, but university un- unfortunately, it's at the end. Academic. <laughs> Maybe I'll do like a, an update on on what I learn when I get to that part. Um, but cool. we should um, we should look at uh, tangent here. We should look at some more. We did a couple of Passover podcasts. Oh yeah, ago. yeah. We should look at doing a couple more little small fun stuff. Okay, I'm up for that. It's been a while. Yeah, it really has been. Let's branch out. Okay. <laughs> and then I think, you know, I guess just kind of an up and coming. I think Judges was on our. Yeah, I think ju- I still, I'm still all for that. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of a change from the prophetic. We've done how many prophetic books in a row? Four? Yeah. Yeah. So we can kind of switch that up a little bit. Something a little more historical narrative. There's some. We did. There's some songs in there. We did <laughs> Joel, Hosea. Hosea, Joel. And then we did Ezekiel. Ezekiel. I guess Deuteronomy. Did we do so, did we, just Hosea? We didn't do Habakkuk? No, I don't think, no. It's okay. just, I think we had tossed that around. So we did Deuteronomy, then three prophets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as yeah. long as we've been doing this, we've actually really only done four books. Oh my goodness. I know. But Deuteronomy and Ezekiel combined is like five years of your life. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. you, dear listener, can listen in just a few days. And in 1.5. Um, yeah, if you do 1.5, see. <laughs> once you fast me. forward the first 10 minutes to get rid of our... Silliness, man! You're just like cutting like years out of your 45 minute podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's all I got for today. You got more. Cool. That's gonna make a lot quick. All right. So chapter 44 um, next time, and maybe further. I guess it really just depends. Yeah. Um, So we're we're here at the end of the book. This is there's not a lot outside of the temple after. Yeah. But so we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. Good deal. So. See, hear you later. Talk, talk to you later. Talk to you later. You'll hear us later. All right.